Amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in John chapter 9 this morning. I'm not going to read it for the sake of time because we're going to preach on the entire chapter. But if you want to look along, we'll be there. You know, there's a lot of videos on Facebook that are inspiring or, you know, on social media, they're inspiring. You watch them, they make you cry. And, and, and one of those for me is you see these videos of these people who uh, are, have been born colorblind. And they've never seen color, and uh, for their birthday or something, they, they, all their family's around, and they'll go and they'll open this present, and it'll be these special glasses that'll allow them to see color. And it is an amazing thing to watch as they take these glasses um, and, and, and put them on, and to watch their face be in such shock and disbelief and in awe. And there'll be grown men who begin to weep uncontrollably because they have seen reds and blues and greens for the first time. And it is a moving, amazing thing to watch as they look and they say, I never knew the sky was blue. I didn't know what that was. It's an amazing thing to see that. And, and, and if you can get that kind of reaction from someone who is just simply colorblind, can you imagine what it would be like if someone had lived their whole life blind? Not just seeing black and white, but seeing nothing, living every single day in darkness. Can you imagine what that would be like? To not know what anything looks like, to not uh, ever have seen light, to, to see color, to never see anything. It would be so overwhelming, if so emotional, if one day all of a sudden the lights turned on and you could see. In our text this morning, we meet a man who from the moment of his birth, was blind. We meet a man who has lived every single day of his life in utter darkness. He has never known light. He has never seen beauty, never seen color. He's never seen another person or anything. The only thing he has known is darkness. And he serves as an illustration ultimately for all of humanity, actually. Because like this blind man, Every one of us were born spiritually blind, and we could not see the truth and the beauty of God, even if he were standing right in front of us. So look at verse 1. Verse 1 says, as he, that is Jesus, passed by, Jesus saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned that this man or his parents that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not this man had sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. So here is Jesus. He's walking along, and he sees this man who has been blind from birth, and he's sitting on the ground, and he's begging. He's asking for money or for food. And at first glance, you might think that this is simply a random or coincidental encounter, but that's not the case. Jesus is intentionally meeting him to change his life. And the disciples ask him an interesting question. They say, Jesus, whose fault is it that this man was born blind? Is it because he sinned or is it because his parents sinned? The question is interesting because it reveals a problem in the disciples' heart. See, the disciples are still under this impression. They think that if you are a good person, that God will bless you and love you. And if you are a bad person, that you will be punished like this blind man. See, Jesus quickly tells them that they see this all wrong and that it's not this blind man's fault, it's not his parents' fault that he's blind, but rather 
Rather, he is blind so that God may open his eyes to this nobody. Nobody cared about so that this blind man might see the Savior of the world. The disciples thought it was because he sinned, but God is saying the exact opposite. God is saying that in his mercy, this man was given this ailment to walk through this trial so that when Jesus granted him sight, the man would not merely see with his physical eyes, but that his spiritual eyes would also be opened and he would truly see. You see, it is the mercy of God when God puts trials in our lives. More often than not, it takes trials. It takes ailments. It takes loss. It takes hardship. It takes hitting rock bottom oftentimes before we finally look up and say, oh God, I actually do need you. I've been trying to live my life without you, but I do need you. See, we live in a world where people are spiritually blind. That the truth of God and his rescuing love could smack them in the face, and yet still they couldn't see it. So often in God's mercy, he will send trials, send hardships, make us blind, so to speak, in hope that when you realize your own brokenness, when you, when you have seen your own folly, you will cry out, Lord, give me sight. See, the reason trials come into our lives is because of the initiating love, initiating mercy of God, without which many of us would still be blind and far from God. Notice verse 6. Jesus spits on the ground and made mud with the saliva, and then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing so here's this blind man, he's sitting on the ground, he's minding his own business, he's, he's asking for food, he's begging, and here comes this random dude, Jesus, according to him, he doesn't really know who Jesus is, and Jesus spits on the ground, makes a little bit of mud, makes some mud pies, and smears it on his face in his eyes. First of all, this is gross. It's like, <laughs> this dude's got to be like, dude, I've got it bad enough, why are you rubbing spitty mud all over me? But then Jesus tells him to go to this particular pool and wash the mud off his eyes. Now, obviously, Jesus has the power to simply look at this man and say, see. And his eyes could be opened and he could have seen. We know Jesus has that kind of power because he's demonstrated it. So why is it? Why is it that Jesus is making this man have to have this spit mud on his face, walk through the town, not being able to see, trying to find his way to this pool while everyone else sees mud all over his face and him. Why is Jesus making him go through this embarrassment through all of this effort? Why make him do this? Because this whole story is a living parable to make a point. This blind man had no hope that he would ever see. He'd given up hope. And so when someone tells him, hey, actually, here's some hope. Do this and you'll see. He obeys Sure that he runs as fast as he can without running into, into anything. But why does he obey Jesus? Why does he go and try to find this pool? Why does he deal with the mud on his face? Why does he go through this weird task? Because he knows he's blind and he longs to see. And even if it doesn't work, it's worth a shot. His obedience shows us something. 
And it may seem simple to you, but follow with me. It shows us that he knows he's blind. You, you might say, well, of course he, know, he knows he's blind. Duh. But imagine with me for a moment. Imagine that this beggar set on the ground, this blind beggar set on the ground. Jesus walks up, psh, psh, makes some mud, spit, puts it on his eyes. And he tells him to go to the pool, but then the, the blind guy just stays sitting. And imagine one of his friends comes up to him and, and says, hey, dude, what do you, why you got all this mud all over your face? He says, dude, I don't know. It's the craziest thing. I'm just sitting here minding my own business like I do every day. And this dude comes and tells me, he rubs this mud on my face, tells me to go wash it off and I'll be able to see. And I'm like, dude, there's nothing wrong with me. Why would you do that? I'm just fine. Leave me alone. We would look at him and go, but you're not just fine. You can't see. We would think that is ludicrous. And that's the point Jesus is making. You see, it is only those who know they are spiritually blind who will respond in obedience to Jesus. It is those who know they are blind, know that there is something wrong, who will listen and follow Jesus and be healed because they want to see. See, the blind man actually stands in direct contrast with the religious elite Pharisees in this story. When the the religious elite Pharisees hear about this healing, that takes place on the Sabbath, on the Sabbath, which for them was a big no-no. They go out to set out to discredit Jesus, and they try to do it in three ways. First, they say Jesus couldn't be from God. This healing wasn't legit because he did it on the Sabbath. See, they forgot that the reason God made the Sabbath was to give people rest. They thought it was all about tradition and following these laws. If ever a man-made tradition gets in the way of reaching people, discipling people or serving people, it is time to forget about that tradition and let it die. Traditions are only helpful in as much as they are actually helpful to people. So they try to discredit him first that way because he did it on the wrong day. Second, they try to discredit Jesus by saying, well, this man he actually wasn't born blind, right? So they're saying, you know, there was actually something else going on with him and Jesus just had some medicine and, you know, rubbed it on his eyes and that fixed it. And people just didn't realize that he wasn't born blind. He actually just had a, you know, a problem. And so what do they do? But they go and they find his parents. They go and find this blind man's parents and ask them, hey, is it true that he was actually born blind? Because they want to prove otherwise. And The parents confirmed the truth. They said, yes, he was born blind, but because they're scared of the religious persecution of basically getting kicked out of church, they say, yeah, he was born blind, but we don't know how he's seeing now. So they're afraid to tell the religious people that Jesus did this thing. If you are ever at a church where you are afraid to speak the truth because you won't be heard, you'll be ignored or shunned or kicked out, it's time to leave that church. The truth matters even when it's hard to hear. Of all people, we should be the ones that stand for truth. The third thing, they try to discredit Jesus by making him swear before God. They think they can get the truth out of him if they uh, basically make him put his hand on the Bible and say, uh, they say in the text, to give glory to God, we know that this man is a, sin- a sinner. And so they basically are saying, hey, place your hand on the Bible and say, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God. And they think if he swears before God, then he'll finally fess up and tell them the truth that he wasn't actually born blind. He has the best response. He says, 
Whether this Jesus is a sinner, I don't know. The one thing I do know is this. I was blind, and now I see. I was blind, and now I see. And then he says, he turns it back on him. He says, we know that God doesn't listen to sinners. But if, any, if anyone worships God and does his will, God will listen to him. Basically saying, so Jesus must not be a sinner. He turns their legalism back on him because they believe that God only blessed good people. Here's the point. Seeing isn't believing. Seeing isn't believing. The Pharisees saw the truth right before their very eyes. They had the Son of God right there. They had seen miracle after miracle, sign after sign, and yet still refused to believe. The problem wasn't a lack of evidence. It was a lack of sight. Their physical eyes fooled them, and their spiritual eyes were blinded to the truth and beauty of God in their midst. And the scary thing for us is that we might be like the Pharisees, to be fooled into thinking that we see so clearly, that we know the truth, that we're living in the truth, while all along we were actually blind and missed it. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. You see, there was a man, one of these Pharisees, who, like these guys, hated Jesus and everything that he stood for. And so he set out to begin to destroy all the work that Jesus had done. And he would hunt down Jesus' followers and either arrest them or stone them or put them to death. And one day this man, after had caught a bunch of Jesus' followers, was headed uh, to another town to find more. And while he was on the road, all of a sudden a big bright light shone and blinded his eyes. And he heard Jesus say, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then this blind Pharisee had to be helped and led by people to get to where he was going. When he finally got to a place called Damascus, this other guy shows up. And looks at him and he says, Lord, give him sight. And immediately he could see again. But in that moment, it wasn't just his physical eyes that could see, but his spiritual eyes. Because in that moment, he said, Jesus is Lord. And he was baptized. This is the story of Paul who God used to write a lot of the New Testament. You see, it took God blinding Paul in order to make him truly see. See, we of all people in our lives, we all have people in our lives who we love, but they refuse to see the truth. We love them and we try to tell them about Jesus. We try to invite them to church we, and they refuse to see Jesus. No matter how many times we tell them about God's love and, and Jesus, they refuse to see and they refuse to see because they're blind like Saul was. And Jesus alone can cause the blind to see. You see, sometimes, oftentimes, it takes Jesus blinding us before we can truly see. You see, sometimes it takes God sending us a trial. It takes us hitting rock bottom. It takes us going through things that are difficult and hurt 
before we're ready to recognize our own blindness, our own brokenness, our own sinfulness, our own need for a Savior. You see, before so many people are ready to see, Jesus has to actually show them that they're blind, that they're broken, that there is something wrong, that there's something missing. Because like the Pharisees, we are all born under the illusion that we see everything so clearly, when in reality we're born blind and we need the mercy of God to miraculously give us sight. See, the religion of the Pharisees said this, if you obey God and try really hard not to sin, then God will love you and bless you. But Jesus says, the gospel says, you're blind, you're broken, and you need the mercy of God to open your eyes and heal you. The religion of the Pharisees says, you've got to do these things, and the gospel says, Jesus did these things. For those in your life who you love, who are blind to the gospel, put your hope in this, that like Paul, Jesus can take the most blinded eyes and make them see. That there is no one too far gone, no one too far out of his reach that Jesus can't say, give him sight. But if you have seen Jesus, if you know his kindness, if you, if you have known his grace and he has opened your eyes and you know the life that he's given you, then all of our testimonies are the same, are they not? That all of the stories in this room of the people who have seen the amazing grace of Jesus, our story is this, that we are amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Thanks be to God who opens the eyes of the blind so that we might see him and believe. This morning, we get to celebrate the truth, this truth in the Lord's Supper. And you know, the Lord's Supper is actually, listen to this, the Lord's Supper is actually a way of seeing the gospel. See, while we can't see Jesus on the cross with our physical eyes, God has given us a way to see the truth of the gospel in a small, simple way. And so as here in a minute, as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we see Truly. See, what the world would say is a silly tradition. What the world would say is, is, is silly. We know is actually a powerful symbol, a reminder, a way to see, a way to perceive and see that God loved you so much that he sent his son to be broken for you. He sent his son to spill his blood for you so that you could not only see the father, but know him intimately. Let me tell you this. If you're here this morning and you do not see, if you're here this morning and you have not placed your faith in Christ as your Lord, as your King, as your Savior, then as we take this meal in a second, it is not for you. Instead, Jesus is offering to come and put mud on your eyes and open them. He's asking you to follow in obedience and come and give, you, give your life to him and truly see. The question is, do you know that you're actually blind? your eyes opened if so when we sing in a moment you're going to have an opportunity to do that parents this is important kids listen to me kids in the room listen to me look at me here in a moment there's going to be a tray passed in front of you with some juice on it and some crackers on it this isn't snack time all right this is a powerful symbol and it is only for those people 
who have placed their faith in Jesus and have gone up into the tank and have been baptized. And so if that's not you, that's okay. But one day, one day when the time is right, you can believe in the promises of God. You can believe in Jesus. He will forgive you for all the bad things you've done and all the bad things you'll ever do. And with mommy and daddy, you too can drink the juice and eat the cracker and remember that Jesus loves you. But for now, it's not snack time. For now, don't take it. But just watch. His bloody body was broken for us. His blood was spilled because we were wretches. But now we're saved. His blood was poured out. His body was broken because we were lost. But now we're found. His body was broken and his blood was poured out because we were blind. But now we see. Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy. Let's pray.